Section 8 of Seeking a Human Spaceflight Program Worthy of a Great Nation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Seeking a Human Spaceflight Program Worthy of a Great Nation by the Review of U.S. Human Spaceflight Plans Committee. Chapter 4.0 Current Human Spaceflight Programs, Part 1 The current U.S. human spaceflight programs are the Operational Space Shuttle Program and the U.S. portion of the International Space Station, ISS. The next human spaceflight effort, the Constellation Program, is in development. 4.1. The Space Shuttle The committee has addressed five questions that, if answered, would form the basis of a plan for U.S. human spaceflight. First among those questions is, what should be the future of the space shuttle? The current plan is to retire the shuttle at the end of FY 2010. Six flights are remaining on the manifest with the final flight scheduled for September 2010. Once the shuttle is retired, there will be a gap in America's capability to independently launch people into space. That gap will extend until the next U.S. human-rated launch system becomes available. In analyzing the future of the shuttle, the committee considered whether the current flight schedule is realistic. It also weighed the risks and possible benefits of various shuttle extension options. This section provides a brief background on the space shuttle, a discussion of important issues, and a description of the scenarios considered for inclusion in the integrated options presented in this report. 4.1.1 Background the Space Shuttle, introduced in 1981, is fundamentally different from all previous U.S. launch systems. It lifts astronauts to orbit in a space plane, not a capsule, and it lands on a runway, not with a splash in the ocean. The space plane has a cargo bay to carry satellites and experiments with it into space and back to Earth and it can be flown again and again. The shuttle has been the workhorse of the U.S. human spaceflight program since its first launch. In its 28 years of operations, it has flown 128 times, 126 of those successfully. Two tragic accidents mar its record. Space shuttle missions have evolved considerably in focus, capability, and complexity over that period. They have progressed from early flight tests to operations, which included satellite deployments, tests of a robotic arm, and early scientific experiments. Immediately after the Space Shuttle Challenger accident in 1986, the launch of satellites shifted from the shuttle to expendable launch vehicles, and shuttle missions evolved into more sophisticated science and operational missions, including space lab flights, 
repair and servicing of the Hubble Space Telescope and the Shuttle Radar Topography Mission. In the late 1990s, the focus of shuttle missions transitioned to the assembly, logistics support, and maintenance of the International Space Station. The Space Shuttle Columbia accident in early 2003 interrupted that work, grounding the shuttle for nearly two and a half years while NASA addressed the technical, procedural, and organizational problems identified during the accident investigation. When the shuttle returned to flight, its missions concentrated almost entirely on completing assembly of the space station. The President's 2004 Vision for Space Exploration directed NASA to, quote, focus use of the space shuttle to complete assembly of the International Space Station and retire the space shuttle as soon as assembly of the International Space Station is completed, planned for the end of this decade, end quote. Subsequently, several shuttle flights planned to support the International Space Station assembly and utilization were canceled, and NASA was directed to complete the remaining shuttle flights by the end of 2010. At the time, the Constellation program's replacement for the shuttle was projected to be ready in 2012, leaving a two-year gap in the nation's ability to launch humans into low Earth orbit. As of the end of FY 2009, the shuttle has flown successfully 15 times since returning to flight in 2005. Missions are now far more intricate and complex than earlier shuttle flights, and they illustrate significant growth in the ability to operate in space. While early missions were routinely four to seven days and rarely included a spacewalk, missions today are often two weeks long and have included as many as five complex and well-orchestrated spacewalks. As of September 2009, six flights remain in the shuttle manifest, with the last flight scheduled for September 2010. There is currently modest funding in the FY 2011 budget to cover shuttle retirement costs, but none for flight operations. 4.1.2 Issues in considering the future of the space shuttle, the committee paid particular attention to safety, schedule, workforce, and the program's fixed costs. Schedule To assess the viability of the current shuttle schedule, the committee compared the actual post-Columbia flight rate, July 2005 through STS-128, the last flight in FY 2009, with the projected flight rate for the remainder of the current manifest. In the post-Columbia period through the end of FY 2009, there was an average of 100 days between flights. In contrast, the current manifest 
shows an average of only 64 days between the remaining six flights. While it is not impossible to achieve this latter flight rate, the projected rate is not consistent with recent or prior experience. Further space shuttle managers have indicated that there is little or no margin in the remaining schedule. Experience suggests that it is very likely the currently manifested flights will extend into the second quarter of FY 2011. The committee also took note that the Columbia Accident Investigation Board, CAIB, cited schedule and budget pressure as a contributing factor in the Columbia accident. The board observed, quote, Little by little, NASA was accepting more and more risk in order to stay on schedule, end quote. It recommended that NASA, quote, adopt and maintain a shuttle flight schedule that is consistent with available resources, end quote, and added that, quote, although schedule deadlines are an important management tool, those deadlines must be regularly evaluated to ensure that any additional risk incurred to meet the schedule is recognized, understood, and acceptable, end quote. NASA and the committee are well aware that schedule pressure can have a subconscious influence on decision-making and has asked for and received relief from the requirement to fly out the manifest by the end of FY 2010. The administration has directed that NASA complete the remaining manifest safely even if that requires extending into FY 2011. The looming problem, however, is that there is currently no funding in the FY 2011 budget to support this likely occurrence. Workforce The most visible ramification of the impending gap in U.S. human spaceflight is the lengthy loss of ability for the U.S. to launch humans into space independently. A less well-publicized ramification is the potential loss of the knowledge and skill base that makes America's human spaceflight program possible. The space shuttle is currently operated by a skilled workforce of over 12,500 individuals whose experience and expertise in systems engineering, systems integration, inspection, ground operations and assembly, test and checkout, and mission planning and operations have been developed and honed over decades. Once the shuttle is retired, NASA and its contractors will be forced to shed or reassign much of that workforce due to the length of the gap in human spaceflight activity. Of these 12,500 workers, 1,500 are civil servants who, under current practices, will likely retain their jobs, even though there is no program to which they can easily transition. The jobs in the contractor structure will likely be lost. 
when the human spaceflight program resumes in the second half of the next decade, a great deal of the knowledge, experience, and critical skills necessary for successful program execution is likely to have atrophied or have been lost altogether. Over the past 45 years, the U.S. has enjoyed a relatively continuous program of human spaceflight. This continuity enabled engineers, flight operations personnel, and technicians to learn skills and train successors in an apprentice model and to capture and transfer knowledge from one program to the next. The longest previous gap occurred between the Apollo-Soyuz mission in 1975 and the first shuttle flight in 1981. But even as late as 1977, the shuttle was projected to fly in 1979. As a result, only a year or two after Apollo-Soyuz flew, much of the workforce was actively engaged in ground processing, systems engineering, integrated testing, flight crew training, and mission planning for shuttle. The committee is concerned about the retention of critical knowledge and skills and the availability of that unique portion of the workforce necessary to conduct the next set of human spaceflight missions, which, as of now, cannot be expected until late in the next decade. Safety The committee's charter did not call for it to review the safety record or assess the reliability of the shuttle. The committee did, however, consider shuttle safety and reliability in its deliberations. One of the recommendations of the Columbia Accident Investigation Board, CAIB, spoke directly to this issue. Quote, Prior to operating the shuttle beyond 2010, develop and conduct a vehicle recertification at the material, component, subsystem, and system levels. Recertification requirements should be included in the Service Life Extension Program. End quote. As part of the shuttle return to flight program after the Columbia accident and in the years since, NASA has recertified much of the shuttle system. NASA's space shuttle program managers believe the program is meeting the intent of the CAIB's recommendation and would be ready to fly the shuttle beyond 2010 should the need arise. This committee suggests that an independent review of the shuttle recertification process be undertaken if a decision is made to add flights to the current manifest. How reliable and how safe is the shuttle, particularly when compared to other existing or proposed launch vehicles? As noted previously in this report, flying in space is inherently risky, so it is not appropriate to call any launch vehicle safe. Several factors contribute to a launch vehicle's risk. The design itself the extent to which the limitations of that design are understood, 
the processes and people involved in preparing launching and operating the vehicle and random component or system failures studies of risk associated with different launch vehicles both human rated and non-human rated reveal that many accidents are a result of poor processes process lapses human error or design flaws very few result from so-called random component failures the often used probabilistic risk assessment pra is a measure of a launch vehicle's susceptibility to these component or system failures it provides a useful way to compare the relative risks of mature launch vehicles in which the design is well understood and processes are in place it is not as useful a guide as to whether a new launch vehicle will fail during operations especially during its early flights the shuttle is one of the few launch vehicles that have flown a sufficient number of times to be considered mature it has suffered two accidents in its 128 flights so its demonstrated success rate is 98.4 percent considerable effort has also been expended to develop a probabilistic risk assessment for the shuttle that pra shows a reliability of 98.7 percent with the greatest contributor to risk coming from the threat of micrometeorite or debris damage while in orbit other launch vehicles in development have better pras indicating that once they reach maturity they will carry less risk than the shuttle in comparing shuttle reliability to that of other launch vehicles however the most important factor is actual flight experience the shuttle completed its first 24 missions successfully before the challenger accident after returning to flight it flew successfully 87 times before the Columbia accident and has flown successfully 15 times since. This is not to say that future vehicles will not be more reliable. They likely will be. But the shuttle has reached a level of maturity that those launch vehicles will not reach for many years. Those vehicles still have their infant mortality phase ahead of them the committee cannot resist citing one of augustine's laws quote, never fly on an airplane with a tail number less than 10 End quote. that encapsulates the value of flight experience the current program ensures that we will have no failures of u.s government human rated crude launch systems from 2011 through at least 2017 because there likely will be no flights of those launch vehicles during that period the committee considered whether the risk associated with extending shuttle operations is appropriate in doing so it considered whether it is acceptable to complete the current manifest and if so 
whether the risk is acceptable for some number of additional flights, assuming the current level of attention to mission assurance processes and procedures is maintained. The committee believes the risk of flying out the current shuttle manifest is consistent with past experience if conducted on a schedule and budget that do not impose undue pressure and constraints. The committee also believes the risk of some extension beyond the current manifest may be acceptable, assuming the certification process discussed above is successfully completed and the current emphasis on mission assurance is continued. Fixed Costs The annual shuttle budget is approximately $3 billion per year, depending on the number of flights. The retirement of the shuttle is expected to free funds for the Constellation program, and the common perception is that with the shuttle no longer flying, there will be an additional $3 billion per year available for design, development, testing, and deployment of the new exploration program. The situation is more complicated, however, and the actual benefit to the Constellation program is considerably less than $3 billion per year. The principal reason is that the shuttle program today carries much of the costs of the facilities and infrastructure associated with the human spaceflight program as a whole. But those facilities will continue to exist after the shuttle is retired, so their costs must still be absorbed if the facilities are to be preserved. These fixed costs are significant, about $1.5 billion per year, and include, for example, nearly 90% of the costs of running the Kennedy Space Center, the engine test facilities at the Stennis Space Center in Mississippi, a mission control center in Houston, and the Michoud Assembly Facility in Louisiana. Unless such facilities are mothballed or disposed of, these costs will simply transfer to a different NASA program. In fact, most will have to be absorbed by the Constellation program. During its fact-finding phase, the committee discovered that approximately $400 million per year of these fixed costs are not yet reflected in the Constellation budget after shuttle retirement. But the costs do have to be allocated somewhere in the NASA budget and will certainly affect the overall funding available for exploration. Some of the shuttle funding pays for NASA civil servants who, absent major layoffs, will simply transition to other spaceflight programs. Constellation will thus gain both human resources and the costs associated with them. In the case of facilities, Constellation will soon be paying for their maintenance. In summary, the savings resulting from shuttle retirement are not as great as they may appear. Conversely, the marginal costs of flying the shuttle are less than implied by the existing bookkeeping. 
The next human spaceflight program will assume most of the fixed costs. The net funds available for constellation design, development, test, and evaluation, DDT and E, or facilities conversion as a result of shuttle retirement total about $1.6 billion per year, absent structural changes to NASA. 4.1.3 Shuttle Options The committee selected three possible shuttle scenarios to consider for inclusion in the integrated options presented later in this report. Flying out the shuttle manifest at a prudent rate. Adding one flight to provide short-term support for the ISS. And closing the gap by extending shuttle to 2015 at a minimum flight rate. Scenario 1. Prudent Shuttle Flyout. As noted, the current shuttle schedule has little or no margin remaining. Scenario 1 is a likely reflection of reality. It restores margin to the schedule at a flight rate in line with recent experience and allocates funds in FY 2011 to support shuttle operations into that fiscal year. Based on historical data, the committee believes it is likely that the remaining six flights on the manifest will stretch into the second quarter of 2011, and it is prudent to plan for that occurrence and explicitly include the associated costs in the FY 2011 budget. Scenario 2. Short-Term Support for the ISS Space Shuttle Retirement will have an impact on the ISS, described more fully in a subsequent section. Scenario 2 would add one additional shuttle flight to provide some additional support for the ISS and ease the transition to commercial and international cargo flights. It could enhance early utilization of the ISS, offer an opportunity for providing more spare parts, and enable scientific experiments to be brought back to Earth. This additional shuttle flight would not replace any of the planned international or commercial resupply flights. One obvious question is, why add just one flight? Due to the planned retirement, the shuttle's external tank production line has been closed recently, and it is not cost-effective to reopen it for a small number of new tanks. However, there is one spare external tank remaining in inventory. This scenario thus envisions using that tank and conducting one additional shuttle flight in late FY 2011 or early FY 2012. This scenario requires that funds be put in the FY 2011 and possibly FY 2012 budget for the one additional shuttle flight. This minimal extension does not mitigate the workforce transition issues. It does extend U.S. human spaceflight capability, but only by a few months, and it does offer 
some additional short-term logistical support to the ISS. Scenario 3. Extend shuttle to 2015 at minimum flight rate. This scenario would extend the shuttle at a minimum safe flight rate, nominally two flights per year, into FY 2015. Once the shuttle is retired, the U.S. itself will no longer have the ability to launch astronauts into space and will have to rely on the Russian Soyuz vehicle. That gap will persist until a new vehicle becomes available to transport crew to a low Earth orbit. Under the current program, the resulting gap is expected to be seven years or more. This scenario, if combined with a new crew launch capability that will be available by the middle of the 2010s, significantly reduces that gap and retains U.S. ability to deliver astronauts to the ISS. The impending gap also directly affects the ISS, which was designed and built assuming that the shuttle was available to carry cargo and crew to it and to bring cargo and crew back to Earth. During the gap, the U.S. will pay for U.S. and international partner astronauts to be carried to and from the ISS by the Russian Soyuz. Cargo, including supplies, spares, equipment, and other hardware, will be carried to the ISS by a complement of international and U.S. commercial cargo vehicles. None of these can carry nearly as much as the shuttle, and only one is projected to be able to bring anything back to Earth. This could limit the full utilization of the ISS. Further, only two of these vehicles have flown, each one only once. Delays could place ISS utilization further at risk, particularly in the early part of the coming decade. This scenario does not envision replacing any of the planned international or commercial cargo vehicles with shuttle flights, but rather enhancing U.S. and international partner capability to robustly utilize the ISS. All commercial and international cargo flights would remain as planned. The committee has concluded that the only way to eliminate or significantly reduce the gap in human spaceflight launch capability is by extending the shuttle program. If that is an important consideration, then this scenario is one to examine. The scenario also minimizes workforce transition problems and it retains the skills that currently enable the U.S. to enjoy a robust human spaceflight program. Because this scenario extends the shuttle's life well beyond 2010, if adopted, it should include a thorough review of NASA's safety certification program by an independent committee to ensure that NASA has met the intent behind recommendation R9.2-1 
of the Columbia Accident Investigation Board. Scenario 3 would require additional funding for shuttle extension, assuming that many of the current fixed costs must be carried somewhere in the NASA budget. The relevant cost of this option is the marginal cost of flying the shuttle. There are two factors to consider in estimating this cost. First, if the shuttle extension is coupled with a strategy to develop a more directly shuttle-derived heavy-lift vehicle, as opposed to the Ares family, there would be synergy that takes maximum advantage of existing infrastructure, design, and production capabilities. Second, since the shuttle would be available to carry crew to and from the ISS, there would be some savings because the U.S. would not need to purchase Russian Soyuz flights, the present plan. Most of the integrated options presented in Chapter 6 would retire the shuttle after a prudent flyout by the current manifest, indicating that the committee found the interim reliance on international crew services acceptable. However, one option does provide for an extension of the shuttle at a minimum safe flight rate to preserve U.S. capability to launch astronauts into space. As Chapter 5 will show, the committee finds that in the long run, it is important for the U.S. to maintain independent crew access to low Earth orbit. Findings regarding the Space Shuttle Short-Term Space Shuttle Planning The remaining shuttle manifest should be flown in a safe and prudent manner. This manifest will likely extend operations into the second quarter of FY 2011. It is important to budget for this likelihood. The Human Spaceflight Gap under current conditions, the gap in U.S. ability to launch astronauts into space is most likely to stretch to at least seven years. The committee did not identify any credible approach employing new capabilities that could shorten the gap to less than six years. The only way to close the gap significantly is to extend the life of the shuttle program. Shuttle Extension Provisions If the shuttle life is extended beyond 2011, an independent committee should assess NASA's shuttle recertification to assure compliance with the Columbia Accident Investigation Board Recommendation R9.2-1. The investment necessary to extend the shuttle makes the most sense in the context of adopting a shuttle-derived heavy-lift capability in place of the Ares family and extending the life of the ISS. Fixed Costs Because a substantial fraction of the costs of human spaceflight infrastructure is currently allocated to the shuttle program, the savings resulting from shuttle retirement are not as great as they may appear. If current operating constraints on NASA are maintained, 
these costs will simply be transferred to whatever becomes the continuing exploration program. End of section 8. Recording by Patrick McAfee. Merritt Island.